This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Hi everyone, welcome back to Tantahilim. We're on Parak Kuf Lamed Vav chapter 136. And this is the chapter of Hodu Lashem Kitov Kiliolam Chasto that we say every Shabbos, that we say at the Pesach Seder. The Mepharshim tell us that the main point of the entire Perek, the highlight, is actually the penultimate Pasuk. By the way, that word penultimate makes me feel so fancy. Uh, when I hear like speakers use it, I always used to think like, Okay, stop showing off. But now I'm like, yay, I get to say the word penultimate. I'm all excited. I feel like fancy Nancy. Um, okay, so the the second to last Pasuk, the penultimate Pasuk, is the highlight of the entire parak, and it's Hanosein Lechem Lechal Basar. The fact that Hashem gives Lechem, that He gives bread, that He's Mepharnesas, that He gives us, He provides for all of our needs, is the main part of the entire parak. Similar to Ashrei, where the main pasuk there is Poseach es yadecha that Hashem opens up his hand and gives everyone who needs whatever they need. He satiates everyone. Similarly here, So the question is, if this is the main part of the entire Perek, why is it the penultimate pasuk? Why is it all the way at the tippy-tippy end of the Perek? And the answer, um, I think I can provide you with a quick mashal, something that I remember from my youth. I was, I remember being in the lobby of the King David Hotel in Yerushalayim. And if you're ever there, then you probably also remember that they have all over the hotel, they have big pictures of all the dignitaries and the prime ministers and the presidents that visited this hotel. And you're like, ooh, ah, so cool, right? All these fancy people came here. Now, even as a child, I understood that the obvious purpose for all these pictures was to be there to like, of course, it was bragging rights. It was chashav, right? But it's to give us a sense of trust. It's to give the hotel a reputation of trustworthiness. That I know that if I'm staying in that hotel, I could trust that my muffins are going to be fresh at breakfast. That my paper is going to show up at my door in the morning. That the service is going to be nice. That the room is going to be clean and nice. Right? It gives a certain trustworthiness to the whole place. And similarly, Lahavdil. In this parak of Tehillim, we start off by with these big pictures, right? These big pictures of big events in history. We start with the miracles of Masabaratius, the sun and the moon and the stars and all of the things that Hashem created. We start with those. And and the chesed that Hashem did for humanity, you know, for all of humanity, for the entire world. Then we get more specific, and we talk about the chesed that Hashem specifically did for the Jews when they were coming out of Mitzrayim, and the miracles that He made by the Yamsuf and the Makos. And then, all the way at the end, we get even more specific, and we talk about the miracle of Hashem providing each of us with everything that we need in our own individual personal lives. And the purpose of this also is to instill trust. 
and to show us these big fancy pictures. Ooh, if, if uh, President Clinton stayed in this hotel, must be that they have awesome service. Must be I could rely on this place. I should come stay here, right? So it's all the way at the end to show us, yeah, if Hashem did all these massive miracles for the world at large, for the Jews, right? For sure, he's going to take care of me and all of my little, you know, Kavachomer. He can do everything in the world, all these massive things. He can take care of my little piece of bread. He can take care of whatever clothes I need to wear or whatever I need in my life. So the parak here, all the hodus, hodu lashem kitov. And we start off the three first psukim with hodu, like a chazaka, to tell you that even though there's no hodu in the following psukim, it just ends up saying, we skip the hodu lashem part, right? And the, the word hodu is skipped in the rest of the psukim. It's only there in the first three psukim because it's a chazaka. It's showing us really that hodu, you should really carry it over in your mind to all the psukim. It's just for short, we're not going to put it into every single pasuk, but really it should be there in your head. Now, what's the purpose of all this hodu, of all this gratitude? The purpose of the gratitude, we're not thanking Hashem for His sake. It's for our sake. It's to build up our own trust that when we remember all the miracles of the past, we could have greater bitachon and amuna in our needs being taken care of right now and right here in the present. So what we're going to do with this parak is we're going to go through the be- some beautiful commentaries and really gain insight on some of these miracles that are spoken about. We're going to gain a greater understanding of them, learn things we might not have known. And then afterwards, we're going to, when we get to Hanosein Lecham Lechal Basar, we're going to talk about how, you know, we, we spent this entire parak building up gratitude to build up trust to the fact that our needs are going to be taken care of. So how can we, on a day-to-day basis, when we're struggling with the idea of having, you know, the surrender and the bitachon that I need when it comes to my parnasa, we're going to talk about how to actually, in a very practical way, instill the trust and get into the mindset that I need to draw in abundance in terms of money, in terms of sustenance, in terms of whatever I need in my life. So let's look at Perak Kuf Lamed Vav, Pasuk Aleph. Hodu Lashem Kitov, Kili Olam Chazdo. So one understanding of this is Hodu Lashem Kitov. I thank Hashem, I praise Him, Kitov, because when I praise Him, Kitov, that's how I get the good. I praise him because that's what draws in good. And we speak about this all the time, that gratitude, that if an attitude of gratitude is what brings in more and more good into my life, is what brings in more things for me to be grateful for. Now, of course, another explanation here is we're thanking Hashem, Kitov, because despite whatever is going on in my life that's looking difficult, Kitov, his essence is Tov, he's all good, he's totally good. And let's look at the second part here, ki liolam chasta. What does this mean? His chesed is laolam. So a human being who does chesed, we know that there's, there's, you know, two very important things that are in his way. Number one, his chesed could only be done for a certain amount of time, right? No person can do chesed every single, you know, around the clock, 24-7, it's not possible. We need to go to sleep, right? Then people get sick. Then people are busy. Then people die. People are human and people can't do chesed in a way that is constant. That's number one. A second thing that people, you know, the second limitation of human beings who are doing chesed is that their chesed is not, it can't be a hundred percent with the right intentions. 
there's we have an ego, right? We're part of the equation. There's a part of us that's feeling good also. There's a part of the chesed that we do that's also feeding ourselves, which is natural. But here it's talking about Kitov, Hashem who is all good, Kiliolam Chasto. His chesed is different than the chesed of a human being in these two ways. It is number one, enduring, it's constant, it's never ending, it's never stopping, it's Liolam, it's forever. And the second thing is Liolam, with his intentions are Leolam, for the world. There is no Hashem in the picture when he's doing chesed for us. It's all for the world, for the sake of the olam. Okay, so those two things, that his chesed is enduring, and that it's also only for the right reasons. It's only for the intention of taking care of us. How can we understand this? That he does big miracles levado alone, by himself. How do we understand this? We understand that the way that Hashem functions is to do miracles in a hidden way. He puts miracles into a flow of nature. He hides his hand. He doesn't like doing open miracles where everybody could see him. He does things quietly every second of every day. Massive miracles are happening to us and we just like go on with our life kind of like blissfully unaware, not paying attention because he hides it. He does it on his own. And this is a big proof. This is how we know ki liolam chasto, like we said, liolam, that his chesed is for the intention of doing it for the world. It's not for his own self and this is a proof of it because he does it levado by himself. If he wanted everybody to give him recognition for the miracle, he would do it more outright, but he doesn't. He hides it. Hashem creates the shamayim, the heavens, with great wisdom. Now, another way of understanding this is that David HaMelech tells us we have an obligation. David tells us, look up at the heavens, look at the skies. Look at the, the beautiful moon and stars in the heavens. Why? So that you should gain a greater appreciation for Hashem's wisdom and for His infinite capability and for His might. And that's why here it's saying, The purpose of Hashem making the skies as magnificent and brilliant as they are is for our own svuna, so that we should have a greater understanding of Hashem's capabilities. Leroka ha'aretz al hamayim. Hashem spreads the earth over the water. So we say every day in brachos, we, we thank Hashem for this exact thing. So what's it, what's it all about? So actually in the beginning of creation, the world was covered in water. And then afterwards Hashem came and created dry land. Now we have to understand, right? We, we make a big deal about Kriyas Yamsuf, that the water split. Why? Because the nature of water is not to split. The nature of water is to be together and to flow into each other and to overflow. It doesn't just stay where it's supposed to stay. So we have to recognize that when we're walking around on land every day, Chazal tell us every day it's as if we're having Kriyas Yamsov all over again. The fact that we're able to walk down the street on dry land and not be swimming down the street is a massive miracle akin to Kriyas Yamsov all over again. So... That's what we're saying over here. Laose Orim Gedolim. Hashem creates Orim Gedolim. He created two big Orim Gedolim, the sun and the moon. And why did he create two and not one? Because he wanted us to be very clear about the fact 
of, you know, the fact that Hashem is the God that we're supposed to be worshiping and not to get confused. And so it's a chesed that he did for us, that he made it very clear by creating two different luminaries, what he's, you know, main big luminaries, he's trying to show us that each one is only ruling the world, so to speak, for 12 hours, right? The sun only has its job until it doesn't have its job anymore, and then the moon comes out. So it's impossible for any of them to be a god because they have limited powers. They need to help each other out. And so we're praising Hashem here for that, for making it so clear that the one to worship is really Him. And now here's where we go in the parak into the more specific categories of the miracles that Hashem performed specifically for the Jewish nation. Lemakem Mitzrayim bevchoreim Hashem, you know, took care of the of the Mitzrim by killing the firstborns. Now, if we look at the words here, Lemakem Mitzrayim bevchoreim Hashem struck Egypt bevchoreim through the use of the firstborn with. Biv means with the firstborns. What does this mean? And we said last week, we said in the Perak, um, that our salvation comes from our enemies. And here we see a perfect example of that. Why, why, how did Hashem use the firstborns to help him strike down Mitzrayim? Because when Moshe warned the Mitzrayim that they better let the Jews go or else the firstborns are going to be killed, Nobody was listening. Paro still was sticking his feet in the sand. He, right, he was sticking his feet in the mud. He wasn't agreeing to let the Jews go. And the Bechorim went over to Paro and said, Come on, we're, we're going to die. Let's go. Let's let the Jews out. And nobody was listening to them. And their fathers weren't listening to them. And they ended up starting a civil war and killing their fathers and killing people because they were so scared that they were going to be killed and they were so angry that nobody was listening to them. Vayotze Yisrael... Mitocham. Hashem brought Israel out of their midst. Okay, so we were, the miracle was that we were living amongst them. Specifically, now we're talking about Makas Pechoros, but we know this about all the other Makos too. We were living in their kishkas, in their neighborhoods, in their apartment buildings, if they had apartment buildings, in their part of their lives. And their firstborns were killed and ours were not. Kiliolam Chasto, we say here that his kindness is forever because, you know, it really is appropriate here when we talk about taking us out of Mitzrayim because we say in the Haggadah, right, if Hashem wouldn't have taken us out of Mitzrayim, we would still be Meshubah Teparo today. So the fact that Hashem took us out, Kiliolam Chasto, his kindness is forever, it's still applying to us today. Legozer Yamsof Ligzarim, he split apart. The Yamsof intersection. So here we have the Makar, the source for the idea that Hashem didn't just split the Yamsof into one split. He split it into 12. He had 12 different sections. So each Shevet had their own, like their own part to walk through, which shows us that each Shevet on their own was Zoha to have that miracle happen just for them. Each one was worthy of the, spl- the sea splitting on their behalf. Hashem made the Jews pass through through these these walls of water. Now, what's the you know incredible miracle here that we don't really consider? I was listening to a, a share about this. What happens when when you split the water? Think about it. What does the ground of the ocean floor look like? 
it's not exactly, uh, you know, a beautiful flat terrain, right? We know that the ocean floor could dip 10 feet in the middle of nowhere. It's very hilly. It's up and down and everywhere, right? Were they prepared with their sneakers and their caps and their water bottles and their, right? No, they were schlepping things and they had their children in their arms, right? So how did they do that? So the Chazal say that Hashem actually made an ice-like substance, it wasn't slippery, but it was like a substance. He made it out of the water so that he, to, in order to even out those huge drops in the terrain so that the Jews were able to have like an easy spazir across the water and not have like a whole up and down hike. V'nir paro v'chelo v'yamsof. And he hurled paro and the army into the water. So nir is like he shook, like like if you shake a tablecloth, you know, you shake the crumbs out of a tablecloth. So Hashem didn't just have them drown and, and, and that, it, you know, and it looked like a natural way of them dying. Hashem wanted to show that it's him, it's him doing it for us. He's showing his love for us. He actually hurled them in. He shook them in. He threw them in in a way that was clear that Hashem was behind all of it. He led his people through the wilderness. So we know 40 years in the desert, the Jews had nothing and they were provided for everything they needed. They were given their man, their food. They had a pillar of fire at night. Now, interesting about this pillar of fire is that it gave, while it did give off light for them to be able to see, what it didn't do is it didn't overheat them. They were in the desert, and the fire gave off only light and no heat. So that's a miracle in its own right. Also, what I never knew about the clouds that I heard is that the clouds not only led them and protected them in the desert during the daytime, but they even rubbed up against their clothing and laundered their clothing. So they had clean, fresh clothing every day. Now, a huge chizuk about the midbar. I find this whole midbar idea to be something that I grab onto in difficult times. It's really uh, a chizuk. And what's the chizuk? The chizuk is that, like we always say, it's the it's such a massive show of the fact it's a massive proof of the fact that Hashem needs nothing. He doesn't need anything from us in order to take care of our needs. And yes, we do our hashtadlos and we try. But we have to remember that really our hashtadlos, all it is, is a way for us to help us up our belief that we're going to end up getting what we want, that Hashem's going to give us what we want. It's really just for us. It's not really bringing about on its own. It doesn't bring about anything. And so we have to remember that even without our hishtadlas, technically, right, Hashem could provide us with everything we need uh, without anything from us, without us providing any anything in return. We came into Eretz Yisrael, we had to conquer 31 kings in order to conquer the land. So specifically these two giants, Sichon and Og, we're specifically talking about them here because they were massive giants and each one of them, we're told, is more mighty, was more mighty than Paro and his entire army. They were massive and they acted like the bodyguards for all the neighboring places and they came out to fight us. We weren't messing with them. Sichon and Og were outside of Eretzusol, but they came with their arms crossed, huge big bodyguards the size of mountains to fight us. And by some miraculous way, we were able to kill them 
Not only did we kill them, but we got their land. We didn't even try to get their land. Their land was outside of Eretz Yisrael. We took their land as our own, as our Nachala. That when we were in our low times in history, and not just in Mitzrayim, but throughout all the exiles, all the persecutions, in our Shiflenu, in our lowest times of degradation, he remembered us, he took care of us, he took special note of us, and he didn't let us get destroyed, right? There was always that remainder that was able to come out and rebuild Kalisol. Now we all have in our life, we all have our bishiflenus. We have those low times, those difficult times, Zacharlanu, where Hashem remembered us. And I think the message of this parak is access your gratitude for those times. Don't just let it go by and forget about it. Bring those times back into your mind. Keep them at the forefront of your mind, right? We say these hodus, this we say this parak every single week, every single Shabbos, every Pesach. Keep in the forefront of your mind those bishiflenus, those times of lowliness, those difficult, difficult sorrows that you went through, where Zacharlanu, that Hashem pulled you out of it. Keep those things in your mind because that's what's going to give you the simcha and the amuna to carry on your life with, with you know, real joy in the present. So that's what this is telling us, right? Remember those times, bishiflenu, when you were down. And he rescued us from our enemies. So now we're getting specific, right? We were talking about the fact that Hashem rescued us from the exiles and from the persecution. Now we're saying Mitzarenu, specifically, who who was it that created those problems? It was the Nebuchadnezzar, it was the Nazis, it was whoever it was from the enemies. And in our own life, who's the Tsarenu? What's what's the sickness, right? What's the the illness that a person had to recover from? What's the the person that was causing pain in, in, in someone's life? What's the belief or the mindset that was keeping somebody stuck in the wrong place? That's the tsarenu. So we're getting more specific here. No sein lechem lechal basar. So here we go. We're at the penultimate over here. Hashem gives bread to every flesh, to every human being. Okay. So that we like we said, we were building up to here. We were strengthening our, our amuna with all of our hodus, with all of our gratitudes. And we had those big pictures, the big picture frames of, of uh, all the dignitaries and the prime ministers and the presidents who were staying at this hotel, right? We spoke about all those amazing miracles. And now we're coming to a place where we're feeling certain, no saying lechem, he takes care of all of our needs. Now, the word lechem, is the root of the word melchama. Why? War. Why Why is lechem the root of... What's the connection between bread and war? So actually, the war is the war that goes on inside of us. Inside of us is a war of our Yetzirah. We're constantly vacillating. When it comes to our parnasa. we vacillate between kochi va'otsam yadi, right? It's, look, I'm putting, I see my efforts are bearing fruit, it's cause and effect, I work so hard all day and I see the fruits of my labor, right? We're, we're vacillating between being in that ego state of thinking it all comes from us to going back to the idea of 
who's the one who's really giving it to me? Hashem is the one, he's the one who, who's taking care of me and giving me everything I need. Just like in the Midbar, when the Jews didn't have what they needed, Hashem was the one providing everything, right? So we go through this war within ourselves. And I think more than any other topic, when it comes to health, it's easier to accept, right, that certain things, it's like, okay, it's Yad Hashem. But when it comes to our Parnasa, it's just a very clear, it's, it seems to be such a clear cause and effect. And it's something that we're busy with all day, every day. So it's, 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 it creates a war within us. And we want to be able to get to a place where we could recognize that we're really just puppets in Hashem's hands. And that we could be in a, a calm place of surrender, doing our efforts, but with a, with a feeling of, ah, it's I really, I'm being carried and I'm being supported and I'm being taken care of. So how do we win this war? How do we win this machama and get to that place of surrender? So first of all, the fact that it says, no sein lechem basar, the answer, there's an answer here, a hint to it here in the Pasuk, we're being referred to as basar to remind us, basar is like a lowly way of talking about a human being. It doesn't say adam, ish, right? It says basar, like flesh. It's referring to us, you know, in in the way of describing our vulnerability, that it's reminding us that you're flesh and blood. And you have to remember that. You have to remember that your hashtadlas is not actually accomplishing anything. It's just there to up your belief that Hashem is going to give it to you. So let's talk about how we can get there. How we could really internalize this message and win this mechama and get on board with uh, with the right mindset and the right attitude when it comes to money, when it comes to making money, so that because when I'm in, when I'm there, when I'm doing my hashtadlas from a place of surrender, number one, I feel better, I'm calmer, and number two, I'm opening myself up to mir- I'm opening, I'm opening up myself to miracles because I'm really aligning myself spiritually with Hashem's infinite capabilities, with His desire to give me what I want. And, and when I do that, I'm just like an open pipe. Things can just flow in easily. So let's first explain something that we have to understand when it comes to um, the things that we're getting from Hashem, specifically like we're talking about here, like money. So many people, especially people who have been struggling w- with money their entire life, tend to be stuck in a mindset of scarcity, of lack. Um, they're like, in a kind of a victim mentality. Well, I wasn't meant to have. This is what I'm meant to have. They have beliefs that are running against them. Um, and they, they're, they're sabotaging themselves without realizing it. Because we always say it's our beliefs that govern our reality. Your outer reality follows your inner world. So if our inner world is saying, I can't have this. This is not going to work for me. I never had money. I'm never going to have money. If I have money, other people are going to be jealous, so I can't have too much, right? We have negative messages that we carry subconsciously about money. Money's bad. Money's materialistic. Um, If I have money, other people will be hurt somehow. The skill set that I have is not conducive to making the right money. We have all these... beliefs against money we have beliefs that we can't have money 
And so when we do that, right, there might be a part of us, and I'm sure that part of us that needs to pay our credit card bill wants money, and that foot is on the gas, but the other foot that's telling us negative messages about money or stuck in ego state of I'm limited and I can't have it, that foot is stuck on the brake. So we're having mixed messages here about money. And as we know, our life is only going to get as good as we allow it to get. Because our life follows our inner beliefs. So we really have to do the inner work to clear up whatever blockages are blocking us from attracting the abundance into our life. We have to remember that two important things. Number one, Hashem wants to give you the things that you want. He, he satiates and he provides for the people who have a ratzon. If you want something, he's going to give it to you. So you have to remember that. It's not Hashem doesn't want you to be miserable in life. He wants you to be happy and have everything you want. So get out of victim mode and align with that fact that if you clear up those inner blockages that are blocking your rut zone from being strong and from being clear, then Hashem's going to flow more money your way. And number two, the second thing we have to know is that Hashem is not limited in any, in any way. And thus, the world is not limited in any way. There's no lack. There's no scarcity. It's an abundant world, and you're going to get whatever you believe that you're going to get. So we have to get out of our stuck place and get into a mindset of abundance, of bitachon, of really trusting that Hashem is here to support me, and He's going to send me whatever I believe, whatever I want, and whatever I believe I can have. So how do we get our foot to only be on the gas? And not on the brake anymore. And start really speeding down that road and getting all those things that we're wanting and adopt a rich mindset that's going to join in the abundance. So I want to offer you three different ideas for a way to shift your mindset and bring more money into your life. And if money's not your issue, then there's other ways to apply these ideas, get creative, you know, because this, this idea of scarcity could apply in health, could apply with Shaduchim, could apply with so many different other areas of our life. So wherever you're feeling that lack, you could also apply this same idea that I'm going to be talking about. So first of all, before I give my ideas, I just need to explain that these ideas are here to counter the constant focus on the negative. We're always focusing on what we, if we don't have enough money, we're saying, I, I can't afford this and I can't afford that. And that's what we, how we go through our days. The problem is, we say, right? My belief is following my speech. Whatever I say, that's what my brain believes. And so if I'm going to end up believing that I can't and I can't and I can't, I'm sending messages to my subconscious brain without realizing it. I'm sending it messages to keep me stuck in this state. It's like you're, you're giving your brain instructions. I can't afford it. I can't afford it. I can't afford it. You're telling your brain, don't afford anything. So how do we get out of this? And the way we get out of this lack, out of this type of living, is by acting as if. Acting as if is when I escape my current real reality and I live instead the way I want to be living. So how do you do this? You're thinking, y'all, are you crazy? Right? I'm not buying that expensive sofa when I can't even pay my bills. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is there are small ways of getting your mind to think that you're actually rich 
to think that you are abundant, to, to give your subconscious brain instructions to bring in more and more and more money. So how do we do this? So here's here's here are the ways that we can act as if, okay? So number one, a cute idea, and I actually tried this, and I actually saw results from it. Keep a $100 bill in your wallet, take it with you wherever you go, and don't spend it. Just leave it there. And when you see something in a store that you want to buy, or when you're thinking about, you see something in the window, and you're like, oh, that's so nice, tell yourself, I can have it. Instead of your constant saying in your mind, I can't afford this, I can't afford this, I can't afford this, and then you manifest the same, say, I can have it, right? Tap in to the to that feeling of like spaciousness and freedom. I can have it. I have the money, right? If I want it, I can have it. And keep on telling that to yourself. And you have, you actually have a hundred dollars in your, in your wallet. So anything that's like in that range, just say, I can have it. I can have it. I can have it. So that's number one. If you want to keep more money there, even better. But the point is to keep telling your brain, I can have whatever I want. You're then acting as if, right? You're becoming that person that could ha- that has financial freedom, that could have whatever they want. Okay, next I want to give you a quick, uh, just tell you quickly something that happened to me last week. I got together with some friends who are all in the same, you know, they're my colleagues. We're all, we all learned how to be coaches together and we get together all the time. We're very close and we really add a lot to each other's lives. Anyways, so we were getting together for lunch, and everyone ordered their own lunch, but I ordered an extra salad for the group. Whoever wants, like whoever didn't order enough or is hungry or is interested in tasting something else, I ordered an extra salad. And one of the girls in the group says, wow, y'all, you're so generous. And I looked at her and I said, money flows to, money flows to me effortlessly. Whenever I need it, it just shows up. And Everyone started laughing in the group because we all know the tricks. We know the tricks of acting as if. And I was pulling one of the tricks, right? If I was with any other group of friends or anyone else in shul or whatever, and I would say that, they would all look at me like I'm such a brat, right? Like, you're such a show-off. How do you say that? But these girls, they all know that this is the way we talk. We talk this way on purpose to attract abundance into our life. And so they were all laughing. And also the fact that I bought the salad, I did it with the intention, right? The more I get... the more I give, the more I get. And I want to act as if I am, you know, just overflowing with money so that I could attract whatever I need into my life. So that was a cute story, but the point of it is very important for you to take home. It's a very important tool that you could use as well. So first I gave you the tool, number one, we said leave money in your wallet and just say I could have whatever I want, right? The second thing here, and I'm going to refer to this story that happened to me last week, is try to be generous right? Instead of picking the 69 cent can of tuna, take the one for 79 cents, right? In those little areas, wherever you can, make yourself feel like a gvir, right? Like, I can have this. I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to splurge, right? Make yourself feel that way. If you're, if you're getting together in a group, buy an extra salad for the whole chavra. Be that gvir. Step into those shoes, even in those little ways, but those little things can make a huge difference because it puts you into a mindset of abundance. Okay? And the third, so, so try to be generous and, and give. The more you give, the more you get. And the third one is, like I said, take a mantra. Like I told you, money flows to me effortlessly. Have an affirmation of how you want things to be and keep saying that. Whenever you go back to the lack, keep shifting over and say your new affirmation that affirms that you really are being supported and taken care of and given whatever you need because that is true, right? We're all here. We're all here. 
We have food to eat, Baruch Hashem. We have what we need. Hashem has many ways of bringing it to us. So make an affirmation that supports that idea. And, and also, the affirmation comes together with looking for evidence. Look in your life for where this is true, right? Money flows to me effortlessly. Say this to yourself. This, for example, right? This was my line, but you could say whichever line you want. And then you would look for examples. You see, this came to me easy. You see, look, I didn't even ask. And somebody brought something for me. I got a check in the mail, right? Look for money that's just coming to you easily without having to work so hard. These things remind us that... Hashem is taking care of us, just like He brought those massive miracles in the world. He also, in the same way, is taking care of us, and we don't have to feel like we're carrying the burden on our own. In fact, we're not really carrying anything. We're just doing what we're supposed to do to access the belief and the trust that we're supposed to have. I wish everybody a lot of Siyat Zishmaya and trying all these tools. If you feel like you benefited from this class, please do share it with friends, share the link with anybody who could benefit from it as well. And also, of course, if you want to be updated about my classes and you're on Torah anytime, click the follow button next to my name. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.